was uh, early this morning. I was laying in the bed looking over my sermon notes, and Daisy walks in and said, "Papa, are you studying your parts?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, I'm studying my parts. I got my parts all down pat. What what a day to assemble here that uh, celebrate all God has done for us. And my my prayer today is that every person here has been saved and set free and live under the glory and the liberty of Jesus Christ and the abundance of Christ. I hope you can say that this morning before you leave this place. Because see, Jesus came to, that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And I, I want to share with you three little words that have brought a great deal of liberty to my life. Some people think a pastor shouldn't use these words. But I assure you they are very liberating words. The three words are, I don't know. Now I'm not saying I don't know what the words are. I'm saying the words are, I don't know. So much, I just simply don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I just know who holds it. But if we use these three words, we can be free to the shackles that we were never meant to wear. To, to wear. The, the very notion, the very idea that we're supposed to know every, every angle and every possibility and every scenario is a hard one to overcome. I know people that scenario-wise, that's what I call it. Do you know what that means? Scenario-wise? They think of everything in the world that might go wrong. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're usually doing pretty well, but they're usually, they'll talk like they're, they're 22 seconds away from the city mission. Because you know what? Something might happen. And they line these scenarios up. I call that scenarioizing. We must, we must know who, what, when, where, why, and how. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is liberty. Sometimes that's true, but other times that's the opposite of that is true. That doesn't sit well with us. Without the answers, we feel vulnerable. Only knowledge can dispel worries. Well, if I told you that you were going to die next Friday at 12 o'clock, would that relieve all your worries? <laughs> would it? Not, knowledge is not necessarily power. It, it's amazing how many people expect me as a pastor to provide the knowledge to solve their problems. Why, why did God allow my baby brother to die? What does God want me to do with my life? Is this the person I'm supposed to marry? Pastors are supposed to be theological geniuses, legal experts, financial wizards, and medical specialists. And the problem is some of them think they are. <laughs> Ouch. I'm sitting here looking at a couple pastors. <laughs> but I've discovered there's times that the sanest thing you can say, the most reasonable sane thing you can say is, I don't know. What are you then? Some kind of an ignoramus. Well, yeah, that about sums it up. Here's the good news. So are you. <laughs> now, before you call me another name, I understand what ignoramus means. It's a Latin word, which simply means we don't know. It's actually, it was actually in a legal setting. It's a legal term to describe the verdict when a prosecution doesn't have enough evidence or is insufficient evidence to prosecute the, the individual. So we're all ignoramuses. We don't know everything and we need to realize that. It'd be good to just be free from that need to know. God is God and you're, you're not. And that's a hard lesson for some of us to learn. Amen or ouch. In our cells, we do not possess, we are incapable of discovering the knowledge to prosecute God. Legal term. 
for things that he does that we just don't like the way he's running the universe. We just, we just can't prosecute God. How does that bring peace? Well, from an atheist perspective, that would be sheer terror. In such a world of view, if I don't know, then, then I, and I can't know, then I'm just in a pawn. I'm a pawn to be used in a world that's out of control. And in a, in a world like that, knowledge becomes God. And in that situation, you'd sell everything you have just to obtain it. But in a worldview that includes God, to admit you don't know things brings incredible peace. Among Moses' final words to, to, uh, to his people, the secret things, he says, belongs to God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we might follow all of the words of the law. So several questions are going to come up immediately. Can we know anything we want to know? Well, the answer is simply no. Moses divides knowledge into a couple categories. And first of all, there's secret things. The, the secret thing means the, word, the, the thing that are concealed or that are hidden. God has left some things hidden. And try as we might, secret things are not available to us. Research won't uncover them. Science won't lay it bare. We can only see a tiny portion of that reality. At this moment, you don't see what the... Everybody's facing me right now. You don't even know what the person behind you is doing. Some of them's got rabbit ears up on you right now. <laughs> Just kidding. At this, you don't even know what the person behind you is doing. You can't see what politicians are cooking up. You don't know what city council's doing. You don't know what your neighbors are throwing into your yard right now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Limited knowledge has some implications. For one, we can't know. Uh, what we can't uh, not know is by design. There's just things we just don't know. We don't know them, not because of a lack of study, but because of our humanness. That doesn't mean what we do not know is necessarily by design. God has given us so much to know. There's, there's virtually no limit to our discoveries. Aren't you amazed sometimes at the medical things they do? I had, this, I had to have a tooth pulled out and some implants put in the other day and Miss Dennis comes in and said, now, now that, that, where I take that tooth out, that's going to leave a hole. So I've got to pull some skin from, or it's not, it's not skin, it's tissue. I've got to pull some tissue from up here, and that sounds great, and push it down there in that hole, and I've got to tack it in there. Okay, <laughs> you do what you got to do, man. And, and so, and sure enough, he, he's sitting there and he asked that little nurse for, said, can I have them tacks? He takes two tacks. And he takes a hammer, literally a hammer. I'm not exaggerating here. He takes a hammer, and my face is going like this, you know. He's hitting the side of my face with a hammer to tack that skin or that flesh or whatever, whatever he's doing. That's pretty amazing, I think, don't you? That he just tacks flesh where he wants it. Just like I'd nail a board up on the side of the house. <laughs> like Frankenstein, <laughs> <laughs> if we don't know something if we don't know something sometimes you know what it's just laziness or maybe the fact that a speed of progress hasn't allowed us to discover it but there's things we cannot know God has made it that way what are those secret unknowable things put yourself in Moses sandals Deuteronomy is a series of sermons there are actually five sermons 
in Deuteronomy that Moses began to, as he was preparing the children of Israel to go into the promised land, the people sat across from the Jordan and they were looking over into the promised land and their, their parents had died in the wilderness for 40 years. They had rebelled and they had all perished in the wilderness and, and God began to reveal to Moses what he needed to tell his people. They didn't have a solid grasp of the covenant or the demands of the covenant knowing that Moses knew he would never enter the promised land. And he, he began to preach to the people a renewed commitment to the covenant of Abraham. And among the secret things is the future. I heard somebody say one day the best thing about the future is that it only comes one day at a time. Study all you want. The future is not yours to see. Through prophecy, God has let us know just a little bit at a time. Not all about what will take place. The Israelites knew God would take them into the promised land, but as they looked across the Jordan, they had to be concerned about it. They would have worried about it. We too worry over details regarding our future. When I look back over the details of my life, I realize that it, uh, after six years of coming to faith, I knew that I was called into the ministry and, and through the journey of, of moving from my home to Huntington, West Virginia, to Parkersburg, to, to Lewisburg, to Grambling, South Carolina, that would, if I'd known that 27 years ago, I don't know that I could have done it. I, think about where you've been and what you've done. Would you have really undertook that if you had known where you'd end up 30 years later? I, I just don't know. It would have been pretty daunting from the very beginning. If God had revealed all that to me, I probably would have just dropped dead of fright. I probably would have just been scared out of my, scared out of my shoes. How merciful of God to withhold those details of his will. He had a plan. I didn't know what it was. Why did an all-powerful God, those tough questions, why did an all-powerful God allow evil in the world? Why does God allow babies to die? Why does God allow war? Honestly, I'm pretty much an ignoramus about that stuff. I just, I don't know. I suspect our God-given free will is at the center of that. Because at the same time that, that I may be seeking God's will, you may be seeking God's will. We live in a broken world where there's a lot of people that's not seeking God's will. Since our world is broken and broken humans have a free will to act, thus evil happens. To take away free will, that meant, would mean that, that we would be compelled to love God. And love compelled is not love at all. God has given us truth in the scripture. And that provides for us some very broad answers. But the deep essence of why it's beyond human understanding, that leads me to ask, well then what can we know? While all is known, some things are revealed. That's God's prerogative to reveal to us those things as God sees fit. I can relate to Mark Twain's oft-quoted statement. It's not the things in the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand that bother me. Amen or ouch. Right? What if, what if I told you I just believe you're responsible for what you do understand? Those things that you don't understand and can't understand for whatever reason, whatever holds you back, I don't think you're responsible for those things. Lord knows I've got my plate full just to, just to, just to deal with what I do understand. Is that fair? That quote has some profound implications. It means that we're responsible for what God has given us. God has given us understanding. God has given us the power to obey what we do understand. God knows he's a good and loving God, a benevolent, wise 
gracious God committed to my ultimate good. And we know that God reveals what God reveals is accomplished through his word that's been given to us. So what are those things revealed? Moses talks about those reaffirming the the revealed will of God. He's revealed the requirements for us to, to walk with him. He doesn't show us all of the future, but he's shown us what's necessary to take the step of faith out into the unknown of tomorrow, knowing that God is in control. We have a Bible full of promises. We know how God will conduct himself according to those promises. The Israelites didn't know how God would, would give them the promised land. They didn't, they didn't understand everything that was going on around them. They had been faced many obstacles. They just knew that one day at a time, that one step of obedience, that God would reveal the next. How many know that to be the truth? When you take that one step, when you risk that one step, you finally just say, God, I'm out of control here, and I'm going to take my step of faith toward you. How many know God will show you the next? and the next, and the next. Have you not been down that road? God's done the same for us. Somebody said the Bible had about approximately 30,000 promises. That's plenty to guide us. That's plenty. He's not told us everything, but he's told us much. As vast and unmanageable as the ever-increasing knowledge of man is, all that we know and all that we understand it's just, it's just a thimbleful in the eyes of God. Every ounce of it is a gift from God. Thomas Edison said, we do not know one millionth part of one percent of anything. I remember reading about Christopher Columbus. And when he, one of the, one of the rationale for trying to reach out, you know, God, glory, and gold was always what you, what you hear, the three G's. But one of the things that in his diaries... That, that he, because he, he wrote, he was a pretty prolific writer. In one of his diaries, he wrote that mankind, now this is in 1490s, got mankind, he, he wrote these words, mankind has reached the limit of his knowledge. We must explore new things. 1490, he thought that man had reached the limits of his knowledge. God has given us access to enough knowledge to keep us busy as human beings for a millennium. But it's all a gift from God to be able to walk into the unknown of tomorrow in the full confidence of power that God is in charge, that God will give you grace sufficient to meet those needs. God's purpose is that we may walk in fellowship and communion with him and each other. We want to know answers. And God wants, wants us to know him. I want to say that again. We want to know answers. God just wants us to know him. Do you see how radically different that is of the worldview and how that would change your heart and mind? To them, knowledge is convenience and survival, curiosity and independence. But Owen Hansen observed, after thousands of years of Western civilization has advanced, we bolt our doors at night and windows at night while jungle natives sleep in open huts. All our brilliant seeking after knowledge has done little more than pollute our hearts in many cases, muddy our vision, feed our rebellion against God and God who alone knows all things. But yet God continues to give us the gift 
the gift of knowledge and telling us what he wants out of us and what he wants for us and that's fellowship. How profound the conclusions of an ignoramus. Can we know anything we wish? Well, no. Can we, can, can we, if we just will it hard enough or pray hard enough, but what can we know? And here's the beauty of that, that God, what we do know is a gift from God. Maybe you're like the old farmer who was approached by a book salesman. He, he approached that old weather-worn farmer and he said, I've got a book here to tell you how to farm ten times better than you're doing it now. The farmer quietly considered the offer and said, Son, I don't really need your book. I already know how to farm ten times better than I'm doing it now. <laughs> Ouch. Did that hit everybody right between the eyes? While we fuss and fume over things we don't know, most of us know how to live ten times better than what we're doing. Knowledge is not our problem. It's not about knowledge, walking with God in the light of his knowledge that God has given us. That's what matters. So I ask you this morning, are you ready to put your trust in him today? Are you ready to take that leap of faith, that one, one, that's all you have to take is one step. I remember talking about, years ago, we always talked about people coming to the altar. And, and I remember that, I remember so many people would testify. Said, preacher, not whether they weren't talking to me, preacher, just talking to another preacher. I wasn't the pastor. And they said, preacher, said, all I remember is taking one step. I don't remember all the steps all the way down to an old altar where they give their heart to the Lord. They don't remember that. Said, all I remember doing is taking one step. I took one step toward God and the rest of it. The rest of it, God did. Are you ready to put your whole trust in him? Are you ready to walk into the unknown of tomorrow with confidence and power and the full knowledge that God loves you and will guide you into abundant life? Are you ready this morning? Let's bow our heads just for a moment as we prepare to sing our final hymn. And Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for that one this morning that's struggling in their faith. I pray for that one that just seems, seems like they've just been in a valley for a period of time. And they're worried and fretting around what tomorrow might hold. Maybe they're even guilty of scenarioizing, of building in all kinds of scenarios of what might happen and what could happen and should have, could have, would have, maybe if. And they find themselves in a never-ending world of despair I pray for that one this morning that they take that one step toward you they'll not remember the rest of them for you'll make a way in Jesus name amen 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 as we uh, prepare for our invitational hymn this morning uh, if you have a need, of course, the altar is always open for that. And also, I'd remind you for any of you that have not filled out at least one of these, and you feel free to fill out another one. And uh, you're committing by putting this in the prayer box. You're committing to praying for and inviting one person. One it could be a family, of course. One family, one one individual that you're going to reach out to, that you're going to pray for, that you're going to hold up before the throne of God. That, that they, might, they might show up at the revival and give their heart to the Lord. So I ask you to take that very, very seriously. And uh, as we uh, 
as we sing that song, either come forward to pray or bring your slip forward. And uh, let's, uh, let's sing, I believe it's page 714.